Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, the last time, really close when I, uh, right before the Christmas season started, I just finished a series on Malachi. And we ended that series with a lot of silence at the end of it. That when Malachi's book ends, so does the noise from heaven. 400 years have passed now since Israel has heard from their God. Malachi's words were the last thing that they all heard. And then after that, after Malachi completed, and and the Old Testament was kind of put a pin in it, at that point in time, heaven became silent. No heavenly host, no prophecies, no angels, no word from the Lord. Now, although not recorded in the Bible, history tells us that those 400 years were anything but silent. It would appear that the warnings that Malachi prophesied were coming true before their own eyes. Israel did not put their faith in God, but instead in themselves. It wasn't long after Malachi's book ended. It wasn't long before the nation of Israel fell once again. But this time it fell to the Greeks. Greek became the dominant language across all of Israel. And because of this, the Old Testament, as we would refer to it, the scriptures as they would, The Old Testament had to be translated, the entire thing, into Greek. Because even the Jews themselves began to use less and less of their native tongue, Hebrew. Until there was an entire generation, an entire young generation that was born and raised that never spoke their native tongue their entire life. Greek was the new language. Now, in 323 B.C., Israel fell yet again. But this time, they fell to the Egyptians again. And they were their masters until 204 B.C. Israel became property of Syria. And unlike the previous masters, where at least the Israelites would say, at least we kind of like them, they didn't treat us that bad, Syria came in and oppressed them like they hadn't seen before. And Syria themselves came into the land of Israel and they dismembered the entire priesthood. They tore it to pieces. Syria desecrated the Holy of Holies, history tells us, which resulted in a revolt that was brought up from a tribe of Levi, a Jew from the tribe of Levi, who raised up a revolt called the Maccabees. And they entered into a 24-year war, resulting in finally, finally, the Jews recapturing Jerusalem. 
All right, things are looking good now. We've got Jerusalem. However, this peace wouldn't last long. It was superficial. Because in 63 BC, unannounced, a man rode into town. His name was General Pompey. And he arrived in Jerusalem with no notice. He entered the temple, and he himself walked directly, history says, into the Holy of Holies, the place where only the high priest can enter into. And as he was standing inside the Holy of Holies, General Pompey looked to the priest and said that Rome is now your God. And it appeared he was right. There was no resistance. There was no fighting. It was only oppression. That was it. The priesthood at this point in time no longer spoke boldly about their God. They kept quiet about him. And instead, the priests became political parties within the Roman Empire. Priests were no longer selected because of their lineage, but based on their political power. And Rome gave them the authority to be the priest. And even eventually, eventually, even the priesthood themselves couldn't see eye to eye on things. So they ended up splitting into two separate groups. One group were the Sadducees, who believed only the Torah was scripture, and they believed in the total and complete separation of the church and state, that God had no place in government. And then the other group, the Pharisees who were zealots that developed such strict religious laws that the law of Moses itself was no longer about uniting people to their God, but uniting people to the law. The Pharisees, the law was their God. It was a rough 400 years. In fact, those years the ones that aren't recorded in the Bible, those years blinded the nation to their own prophecies. They were blinded by their own words from their own history, from their own people. They were blinded by it. They, they could no longer see it to the point where the Jews couldn't, I, I truly believe this, that they couldn't even comprehend or even consider that the Messiah will be anything less than a military leader solely focused on the destruction of Rome itself. That had to be the Messiah. In fact, it was set up in a way that any other version of the Messiah was destined to fail from the very beginning. He had to do this in order to have credibility, to be a powerful might to destroy the oppressor. This right here is a nation. We are witnessing, we are into right now a nation that embodies the absolute definition of hopelessness, who has nothing going for them. And this, this is where we see the New Testament start. This is the climate. This is the hopelessness that we read from the Gospels. 
And it was out of this hopelessness, out of this moment, out of this total and complete and self just giving up. There's just so much negativity, so much noise. There's so much just political nonsense. It was in this climate. Something happened. Something happened. The silence stopped. It was in the night, in the middle of a field. A couple of shepherds were keeping watch over their sheep, something they've done many times before. It was quiet, still, and uneventful. And it was in that setting, in the setting of just in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, just peace and quiet. It was there that it happened. That while the shepherds were tending their flocks, just right down the hill, there was something else that was taking place. They weren't aware of it. There wasn't something that was on their radar, even thinking that tonight would be any different than last night. But just right down the hill, there was something that was happening. At that same exact time, the Messiah was entering into the chaos of our world. He wasn't coming in on a horseback. He wasn't coming down from clouds from heaven. He was coming in the womb of a virgin. Born in a barn on the very feeding trough that fed the animals earlier that day. And it was here, in that moment, that the Messiah of the world, the one that Israel has been waiting for, arrived. But only two people and a couple of animals knew it. They were the only ones. It was time to break the silence. It was time to come into this world. And so the shepherds right there on the top of the hill, while all this was happening right down this way, and they were just doing business as usual, as sheep roaming around, sheep don't smell great. You know, I'm sure that they, I'm pretty sure they've gotten used to it by now, but I want to say I've been around sheep and I wouldn't want that to be a profession of mine. I would, it, they would, it wouldn't be good for the sheep if I did this. I'm just telling you. It wouldn't be good for them. You know, I want them to survive, have a happy life. They need someone like this. But these shepherds here, they are, they're just doing their normal thing. And right here, in this moment, that they, 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 they look up and they see something that was different today. They look up into the sky, and they look, and they, it, it was something, something tonight that they, there was no explanation for. They had no present. There was nothing to go off of. There was nothing that they remember reading in the history book. They were just there doing their job, and they looked up, and what they saw, it was a figure it was something descending down from the skies. It, it was almost like a person. It was bright. It was really bright. And I re- they were looking at it. And in fact, they can tell that this, whatever it was, had a sense of authority or a sense of power because the scripture says that they were filled with fear. They were, they were genuinely terrified. This wasn't an exciting moment for them. They were filled with fear. And so they did what they only, what they, they hid. They hid their faith. They are scared to death. And in this moment, filled with fear of the unknown, it was unknown because nothing like this has happened in 400 years. That these shepherds wouldn't even have anything to draw from. But here in this moment, it was a messenger from God. The silence was over. It was done. Now the voice from heaven is coming down, and they broke the first silence saying, Do not be afraid. After 400 years, the first thing from heaven was, Do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then, if that didn't top it off, the angel, I'm sure he was waiting for this moment. He was quoting their own prophecies to them. He was bringing up Isaiah. You have forgotten this, shepherds. Let me remind you what Isaiah said. He said, this will be a sign to all of you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. And then after this, after he prophesied, after he, he, he shared the words of Isaiah with the own shepherds in the field, and that moment, there wasn't just one, one angel anymore. In fact, it says that, that more came and more, more angels came, and they just kept coming and coming until the entire heavens opened up before these shepherds in the field. It was just opening up to them. And they became front row seats to the angels no longer being silent. They didn't have the whole back. Now they're shouting, it's over, we're done being quiet now. We're shouting, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men whom his favor rests. And then they left. Ha. Oh, that's a night. Oh, my goodness. And those shepherds on the top of that mountain, <laughs> they weren't afraid anymore. They knew what they were in their presence of. They knew who they just experienced. That these shepherds here were the first to find out that the Messiah is here. Let's go. What are we waiting for? Let's go and let's go find the Messiah. Now I'm going to tell you that the story of the birth of Christ has been passed down from generation to generation for centuries. Many of us in this room, we can, we can quote the story. We know it in order. We know all the ups and downs and the angels. We have productions and plays about it, nativity scenes. We've got the star, the sheep, we've got everything. We've got, we've got it all figured out. We know the story. In fact, it's broken up into four accounts under the Gospels. This story is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give us an insight of a different piece of the story. But they all, four Gospels, point to the exact same thing at this exact same moment. The silence was over. It was time to make some noise. Jesus did not come into this world to be silent. His entrance was something that was extremely well thought out. And by design, over thousands of years before it ever happened, every single prophecy in the Old Testament that was spoken about the Messiah had come true, all of them. Of course, during Christmas, we only focus on one part of the prophecy, only on one part of it. We save the rest of the prophecy for another time of the year. But hear me when I say this, that the first part, the birth, as miraculous as it was, and it was, would mean nothing to you or to me today if it wasn't for the second and third part of the prophecy. If it wasn't for these other parts, his birth would only be a Guinness World Record book marking, something that would be in awe and, and, and amazing to look at. But because of these other parts of the prophecy, the birth now means everything. It means everything. Because of the rest of the prophecy, the shepherds now matter. The sheep matter. The manger matters. Because of the rest of the entire prophecy, everything matters now. 
So what is the rest of his saying? What, what makes it now give his birth weight and authority? But why don't you get past the mangers, get past the shepherds, after the birth, after all the Christmas carols? This is what we find about that baby who was in a feeding trough this night. After the prettiness of it, the prophecy says, he will be despised. and rejected by mankind. A man suffering and familiar with pain, it says. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him. We held him in low esteem. He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, it says. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, it says. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the baby in the manger, the iniquity of us all. Could this perhaps be, could this section of the prophecy be what the heavenly host was referring when they shouted that night to the shepherds? When they shouted glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Could it be that the peace that they were referencing on this night into the world is not an earthly peace at all, but a spiritual one? That when they said peace on earth, what they're really saying is that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He has entered this world, just like Isaiah said he would, wrapped in a cloth in a manger. Glory to God in the highest, because a lamb has been born to you. This lamb will be despised, he will be rejected, he will suffer, and he will, he will be no stranger to pain. This world will hide their face from him. But despite of that, he will take up your pain, he will take your suffering, and carry your iniquities. He will be afflicted. He will be pierced, and he will be crushed. But today, we break our silence because the punishment that will be laid on this lamb right now will bring earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This, there is no Christmas without the cross. There is none. That on that night, the shepherds had the privilege of hearing that message for the first time. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. We have to stop looking for only earthly peace. Jesus is much deeper than that. He came to say something way more deeper than that. It's you and me. The cross. The cross. Every chapter that we read, Every page that we turn from Luke chapter 1 that tells us about the shepherds, every page that gets turned, we get further and further away from the manger and closer and closer 
to the cross. The miracle baby slowly before our eyes here in the scriptures becoming the suffering servant. And this lamb, this suffering servant, wasn't just for one generation. It wasn't just for those oppressed by Rome. You see, there is a third and final part to that prophecy. There's a third one. Isaiah touches on it just just a little bit. Isaiah says, he, the afflicted one, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. But, this is fascinating to me, as I was writing this, and I was researching this and looking at this, was that a thousand years, one thousand years before Jesus was even born on this earth, David writes this. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve him. Future generations, future generations will be told about the Lord. They, the future, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to the people yet unborn, he has done it. A thousand years before our Messiah was born, David brings light that the cross, that the grave will not keep him down. For prosperity is his. Future generations will be witness to him. It is true, absolutely true, that Jesus suffered on the cross. But righteousness, prosperity, healing, and peace come from the grave. The slaughtered lamb did not stay dead. He is alive. And he's alive for you. 
that we take Christmas now. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of things going on in this world. And maybe this Christmas we reflect on the birth of Christ, but we remember that he is alive. And through him, because of Jesus, righteousness, prosperity, healing, and peace. These aren't things the world gives us. They're not interested in giving us those things. They want to take and steal and rob. This is what the world gives us. <clears throat> but Jesus says righteousness, prosperity, healing, peace come from him. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, your time is now. You need to know him. I'm standing here on the Sunday before Christmas and I'm telling you that you need to make that decision. If you're in this room or if you're online or you're hearing this later on, doesn't matter. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know him intimately, personally, as a savior who came to save you, that needs to happen today. Don't put it off. Don't wait for it. Because he is alive for you. For you. He is alive. None of this is by accident. None of this is just by chance. God is intentional with every detail every detail. Nothing is left by chance. And with a story like this, a story that we just read, that we just experienced, so thought out, so long in the making, <clears throat> filled with so much love, there's only one factor that remains. One, that God has given absolute no direction to in Scripture so far. And that is you. You get to choose if this becomes your story. <clears throat> you get to choose if this is your history. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.